Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to The Sit Down, a crime history podcast presented by Barstool Sports. Here's your host, Jeff Nadu. What's up, everybody, and welcome in to another edition of The Sit Down, a crime history podcast. I am your host, Jeff Nadu. As always, we are powered by Barstool Sports. We've got an absolutely gigantic episode for you today. And, you know, when I'm prepping for the show, I always want to bring all of you the most interesting people that whether the mafia, crime, whatever has to offer. And today I want to bring you an interview that I did several days ago. And it was really an interview that I was kind of excited about because this is an individual um, that lived the life. Um, he was an enforcer for the Bonanno crime family. Uh, he did home invasions. He committed loan sharking. He did bookmaking. He beat people up. He even shot people. This is an individual that grew up on the streets of Ozone Park, Queens, and really the mafia was in his blood. He'll tell you the story of his life growing up around his uncle, a high-end mobster in the Gambino crime family, and also tell you the story of the man that he would meet that would ultimately bring him into the mafia and propose him for membership, a guy that we've done a show about before, Vinny Asaro. He'll also get into a story of a man that he also knew that really taught him the game as well. A man called Ronald G. Alonzo, who was a capo in the Bonanno crime family. Today, we're going to talk to a, a guy called Gene Barello, uh, a guy that, you know, if you're mob-centric, uh, you enjoy the history of the mob, you've heard of. Gene is definitely a guy that uh, you either love him or hate him. Um, and there are a lot of people that do hate Gene. Gene has definitely lived a different life. And some of his behavior after the fact uh, that he did what he did uh, has raised eyebrows. But I felt it important to bring him on and let him tell his story. Well, there was a little pushback. There were some interesting things that I didn't know. And he also said some great stories. So sit back, relax. Let's welcome in Gene Barello to the sit down. As always, before we get into this episode, though, I do want to make sure to let you all know. Make sure you go check us out on Twitter at SitDownCrimePod. You can also check out all videos and more great content on YouTube. Just search The Sit Down, a crime history podcast. Make sure if you're new around here, you leave us a review. Let us know what you think of the show. Without further ado, let's get to my interview with Gene Barello, former Bonanno crime family associate. 
All right, joining the show now, we have a guest this week, and it is a good one. I'm very interested in hearing this individual's story. Uh, he's a guy that I've chatted with. I've been looking to have on the show, and I actually have done a little expose on him on my YouTube channel. Um, but we're going to get the story straight from the horse's mouth. Gene Barello at one point was an associate in the Bonanno crime family, came up in a family that was dominated really by the mafia. He grew up in Ozone Park ran the streets, ultimately would become a home invader, uh, extortion artist, uh, beat people up for the Bonanno crime family, all sorts of different things. We're going to get the story straight from him. Uh, Gene, how you been? How's everything going? I know you're uh, living the straight life now. Is that is that correct? Yes. Um, by the way, thank you for having me on, uh, Jeff. And um, yeah, I'm living the straight life now. And, um, you know, I'm running a business down here in Florida and I'm just living regular, you know. Well, we don't generally do free ads on this show, but what what is your business? You want to do you want to tell us about it? Yeah, it's a it's a hand wash in the um in the International Mall, and um it's uh, located in the in Tampa Bay area, and we basically detail cars by hand, and we get a lot of exotic cars and you know nice cars. I saw that. I saw on your Instagram you have some right. pretty dope cars rolling in there. Yeah, it's all Lambos and high end cars. We get regular cars too, but mostly. Guys are going to spend the money to get their exotic cars hand washed because the car wash ruins the cars, you know, yep. scratches it. So that's why. Nothing worse than a car wash, car wash. Right. <laughs> got to get the hand wash. Shout out to you. Yep. Trying to live your life the right way. But we're going to get into some of the fiery details of your life, Gene. You're, you're still in the news nowadays, not for good always, yeah. uh, which we'll get into in a little bit. But I want to start at the beginning with you because it's the first time we're really getting your story. You were right. born in the mid 80s. Um, you know, by eight or nine, your mother and father would, would divorce. Um, yes. Just tell me a little bit about your father. Uh, ultimately, you would move with your mom. Tell me about your dad, though. My dad was coming up. My dad was an armed robber. Uh, my dad did time, uh, about a total of 10 years in prison. Um, he was a wild guy in the street, not a mob guy, just ran the streets, you know, did a lot of uh, violent crimes, armed robberies, whatever. He did about 10 years, like I said, but he was a hard worker. He worked construction, worked seven days a week to support me and my mother. Um, he was just, you know, like me, a head case, you know, and, <laughs> you know, that's, that's the truth. Was he, was he a good father? Yes. Oh, yeah, he was. When I was growing up, he gave me everything I wanted. He wanted me in school. But when he left, um, me and my mom went to Ozone Park and he ultimately went to Canada. So you moved to Ozone Park. And as we know, Ozone Park is a mob haven, right? But by the I was there, yes. Yes. Yeah, but by this point, once you leave Brooklyn, you go to, to Queens, Ozone Park, Howard Beach had been dominated by the Gotti family for years. They were their reign was kind of ending. But the Gambinos are still very powerful. You, you've mentioned the Carrazos were, were big around there. You obviously um, Vinny Asaro, Bonanno crime family. He was in that area. Right. What was the lay of the land like at that point? Yeah, Nikki Carrazzo, Vinny Asaro, pretty much, right? You said it perfectly. You know, that was the guys that pretty much ran the area. What was the first crime you committed? Um, assaults when I was younger, when I was like 15, 16. Um, what do you mean by that? Were you beating people up? Were you robbing people? What do you mean? Not robbing. I didn't do on robbery until I got a little older, but I was doing like, uh, you know, just fighting. We would hit people with weapons and things like that growing up. We caught an assault case. Um, I actually caught an assault case with a wise guy's son, uh, brother. You never heard of brother? Gambino soldier. He was uh, his son and me and his son beat up a guy with a weapon. We got an assault case, gang assault. Then I had another assault case. I had like three assault cases before I caught the kilo pain charge when I was 18. So I want to kind of quickly just ask about your childhood a little bit. You, I, I'll ask you this, yes or no. If your father, let's say, stay, stays around, your mother and father don't get divorced, 
Do you think you would go into the life that you ultimately went into? No, he was strict. My dad was cool. So you, you, you would probably say that in a way, and I've, I've noticed this with most of the people I talk about. Um, and, and if you really look into most criminals, a lot of them don't have great fathers or father at all at home. Now you had a good father. You just knew that your mother probably wasn't going to discipline you like he would. Right. But I, I'm curious, your uncle, uh, or at least a, a very close family member to you was Fat Andy Ruggiano, who was a, well, a very high up in the Gambino crime family. Did you know as a kid, did you know who these people were and what they were doing? Yeah. I mean, I got to a certain age. Yeah. And a lot of people don't know that John Gotti said on a wiretap that if Fat Andy wasn't in jail, he'd make him his underboss. He wasn't going to pick Sammy and them. He says, I would have made Andy my underboss. Yeah, he's a very powerful guy. Did, right. did they ever try to say to you, hey, you know, this ain't the right life for you? I, I know that Fat Andy had the son who ultimately went into the life also. And he kind of was told the story before that his father was just like, look, if you, if you want to do this, um, you know, you can do it. You just have to. You yeah, know. no, his father wanted him in the life. Yeah, His father's a kind of that kind of guy. That's all he believed in. He's like a Vinny Asaro. Like the, the, Vinny always told me, keep recruiting. He used to tell me to recruit people. He said, I want this thing to keep going. That's how they are, the old school guys. So you would know? you say when you were 13, 14, 15, would you say that you, did you want to do that? Is that the goal you had? You wanted to be I mean, in that life? Yeah, somewhat. I'm not going to say I'm bullshit. You're like, somewhat. But it's like, I didn't think it would really be reality. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, I wanted to do that, but did I ever think I'd really be in part of the mafia? And I was actually proposed to be a member. So I really made it. You know what I'm saying? So like I was there. You know, I actually accomplished what I wanted pretty much and it took me a little while, but um I never thought I'd actually be a mafia guy and I ended up I ended up ultimately being one, you know? So by eighteen and I before we get to that quickly, I do want to mention your cousin, Johnny Boy Barella, who Hi. uh how old were you when he was killed? Uh, I was 13, but, you know, um, all his friends that he was friends with, like when I got older, they used to say they get chills sitting next to me because they felt like they were next to him because we were so much alike, I guess, because we were wild. My cousin was killing people at the age of 20 for them. So, you know, um, I remember I'd be, I was next to like Todd DeBock and all his friends, Jerry Bruno and all them, and they would be like, damn, I'm getting chills. I feel like I'm next to Johnny Boy right now because my nickname was Genie Boy. So it was similar, Johnny Boy, you know, so, you know, we were the only two really respected out of my whole family, out of the Borello family. We were the only two that I really respected. The rest of them really weren't. I have like a thousand first cousins and um, there's, my dad had nine brothers, four sisters. So they all have kids of kids, but the only ones that were really respected was me and Johnny Boy. Now your cousin, Johnny Boy, would be shot in a car in, I believe, 1996. Um, you know, he was with a girl that day. Vito Guzzer ran up. Gun provided by Mikey D'Urso, shot the kid to death. What, 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 when you heard about that, what, what did no, you immediately Well, think? I think Anthony Tabita shot him, too. Okay, yeah, I think Anthony you, Tabita, they Anthony may have both Tabita shot him. Yeah, him and I think Anthony Tabito, Vito Gozon, I think Joe O'Kane might have been there, too. I think that's the ones who shot my cousin in the drive. They pulled him over in a district attorney van with the light. I don't know if you know did that. You, did you, what did you think when you heard that? I mean, I didn't really understand it. I was young. I remember the morning because my mom was crying on the phone. I remember it like it was yesterday because uh, that's my first cousin. My mom and my mom and, and Johnny Boy's mom and stepmom were very close. So remember, that's my dad's brother. So I remember getting the phone call and I was in junior high school, 210 at the time. And I remember my mom running in and goes, they killed Johnny Boy. And I'm like, what? They're like, She's like, your cousin's dead. They killed him. And then I remember going to the funeral and it was just horrible. You know what I mean? Uh, he was a kid. He was only 22 when they killed him. You know, do you, do you think that you did the streets know who did that? Did you ever want retribution for that? I mean, I, I was so young, but I know that my other co I did have one other cousin that 
I had two other cousins actually I respected. My cousin Tommy Botch and my cousin Joey. My cousin Joey was nuts too. He's been in jail his whole life. He wanted to do something. And there's a few guys that want to retaliate. But remember, the guys that did it were all serial killers. So, you know, you're talking about someone that you have to kill. So it's not like you go to Vito Guzzo and shoot him in the leg. You know what I'm saying? You, you, you're asking to die. You know, you had to well, kill these guys. And, and that's kind of the thing. The individual that he's talking about, Vito Guzzo, is serving 38 years for five murders. Yeah, but he's, a, but he's not a tough guy in jail. That's the thing. See, he's tough with a gun. But Ronnie, Ronnie G said he was the biggest bitch in jail. So it goes both ways. You know, like I said, it's like, yeah, he was tough in the street, but they said he wasn't tough in jail. So I don't know, you know? What I'm trying to say is it would be hard to get to him. People try to get to him twice, and he survived both times. Um, and as you said, these, these were serial killers basically doing this. Yeah, they were, well, with a gun. You know, like I said, anyone could be tough. But I'm not taking it away. I, I shot. I did. Gun, I was a gun guy. That was my thing. And, um, you know, like I said, he was tough with a gun, but with his hands, he couldn't fight a lick. Everyone knew that. Now, by 18, you mentioned you got a drug pinch, which is probably your first big pinch. I mean, assault's no big, you know, it's not a huge charge. I mean, right. kilo of cocaine, that's big. How does that happen? Um, were you moving a lot of drugs at that time? No, actually, uh, I actually did it with my grandfather, to be honest with you. Me and my grandpa sold the, sold the drugs to an undercover, and we didn't know. And my grandpa's friend set us up, Danny Marcha out of Jersey. And we got him a kilo. I was in the car, and they charged me with a, a sale and possession of a kilo of cocaine. I had no bail at 18. You go to and, Rikers? Yeah, I was in Rikers, yeah. And how long did you do? Uh, about 17 months. My grandpa took the weight. That's a good good grandpa. Yeah. he was, a wild was my best, story, he was my, he was my best friend. He taught me a lot, you know what I mean? So he was he was teaching me because he knew I was going that way. So he was just teaching me shit, you know, how to clean guns, how to take them apart. You know, he was just showing me everything. He was, he was in the Korean war. He was very handy with weapons. He was a hijacker, right? Yeah, he was back in the day. And then he became a school bus driver. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Interesting. I want to ask quickly. So your father, you, do you still communicate with him? Yes. Yeah. He's not well though. He has diabetes right now. He's not doing good. I wish him the best. You're close yeah. to your mother though. I, I believe, right? Yeah. Super close to my mother. Yeah. What does she think during all this? Does she, she just kind of realize, you know, this is where we're from and this is how things happen. The whole family's kind of in this life. Um, did she have an issue with your grandfather that he was getting you involved with this sort of thing? Yeah. She wasn't told after I got locked up, she was really mad at him, but like, um, but, but like I said, then it happened, like it happened weird because like he, I did time for him and then he did time for me because um, his second time he went to jail was because someone dropped a tip saying that there was guns in the house and I was already serving time. I had caught a shooting in front of a bar and I was serving time. Five months later, my grandpa wanted to hold all my guns for me. He's like, no, nah, that's how I remember my grandson. He wanted to hold my guns. So he held the guns and hid them in his house and an informant said that there was guns in the house and he got caught with them and he got five years in prison for it and he died in jail. Wow. Yeah. So you go do the 17 months. Uh, where did you go? Upstate? Well, that was my first bid. I had, I, I did three bids. So my first bid, I did uh, 17 months in Rikers and then I did, um, and then my second bid, I did uh, Rikers and then upstate. Gotcha. So you come home, eventually you meet this guy, uh, Ronald G. Alonzo. Right. Now, that, Ronnie was G, men, that was my mentor, right. He, he's a little older than you. He right. is establishing himself in Howard Beach as kind of the next kind of kind of guy in the Bonanno family. His uncle was Vinny Asaro, who 
at one point was involved with Lufthansa well, and all this. You also got to remember, Jeff, his cousin's Jerry Asaro, captain. His other cousin's Jack yeah. Bonaventure, another captain. His right. other cousin's Fat Sammy. His other, the whole structure was different related. Yeah, basically his whole that. his whole familiar trade Wait, work. Then Uncle Vince's cousin, then Uncle Vince's cousin is Simone. Then Uncle Vince's cousin, the whole Bonato family was related to them. It was hysterical. So people don't realize that how many people were related to them straightened out. And there's only a certain amount of members, you know? With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So Ronnie G, he was just basically an older version in a way of you. He was just kind of the next in line. Right. He eventually starts having this huge loan sharking book and book right. making and doing all this different Listen. stuff. How do you connect it with him? Tell me about that. Well, I want to say something about Ronnie because, like, people don't realize that he was the toughest one out of his family. That's why Vinny loved him so much. Vinny, used to, Vinny didn't like his son. Vinny said his son was a pussy. So Vinny loved Ronnie because Ronnie was more like him. That's why he made Ronnie his acting captain. When Ron, when Vin got demoted by Joe Messino, Ronnie was supposed to be the skipper. They gave it to Joe Messino, gave it to Jerry Asaro. So Jerry didn't pick Ronnie as his acting captain. He picked his cousin Jackie, and Ronnie was really mad about that. Because Ronnie was the tough guy. Ronnie was mm-hmm. the one that everybody was scared of. Ronnie was a fucking hands-on dude. You know what I mean? Jer- Jerry wasn't. Jerry was a nice guy. Jerry wasn't tough like his father. Um, so Ronnie was really the guy that was violent. You know, I mean, I seen this guy. He's He, he goes after wise guys. He was nuts, bro. I'll be honest with you. He was a tough guy. And um, I got hooked up with Ronnie because his nephew was my best friend. Me and Bobby G were coming up together. And we started doing armed robberies on social clubs and doing bad things. And Ronnie basically had to sit for us. And then he's like, listen, enough of this fucking bullshit you're doing. He's like, come with me. He's going to stop the shit. He's want to run around. He's going to run around for me. And that's ultimately how it happened. He loved us because we were violent. And he loved that we were tough. That's what he liked, like Vinny. So he grabbed us. And then we started working for him. So what, do you, what, is, what are the first things you're starting to do for him? Honestly, it was more collecting. Like, like me and Bobby would start off collecting his loan money. And we get a little money per week. And then he's like, listen, now you could put my money out. So when you're collecting my money, I'll throw you a couple of hundred a week because we were kids. He's like, but now you, if people need money, I'll give it to you at a point. And now you can earn money off my money. So he was teaching us right. how to get out of the armed robbery business and go into the loan shark and the sports because me and Bobby just wanted to steal. So we were like learning. A lot that easier maneuver. money doing that. Well, we were hitting shit. We were making, bro, 20 years old. We were hitting some good scores, bro. We were, we were doing some scores, bro. Everyone listening to this knows we were we were hitting some shit, you know? Well, I guess what I'm saying is uh, the, the, the loan sharking money is easy money, right? Put it on right. the street. It comes back to you in spades. Let me ask you, um, let's say I, I owe $5,000 and I'm not, I'm not able to pay. Right. What, what are the steps of collection? Like I said, it's not the movies where we're just going to come baseball bat you. You know what I'm saying? It's like what we do is we try to work it out the best way we can. So we'll work with you and we'll say, well, what's the problem? You borrowed the money and then, you know, usually we'll get um, we'll try to resolve it without hurting you. We try to make hurting you the last resort. You understand that? So when you hurt me, how does that go down? So we'll try to see exactly, you know what we could do to work with you. Like, you know, what's the problem? We'll give you a deadline. Like, all right, listen, you're going to miss these two payments, but you got to come correct on this one. Now, if they start really like ducking us and fucking around 
and they feel like we're making a jerk out of us, then we're going to throw you a beating. We'll start off with that, and then we'll try to make you get the money from someone else or make your family pay it for us. So I heard a story about you one time where I believe Ronnie G was personally with you where a debtor owed, I think, $25,000. Oh, you said it wrong. 250000 okay, I remember so when you said it. A lot more. 250000 A lot of money. You, Ronnie will kill you over 250000 So, yeah. Yes. So you, this guy doesn't pay, and you made this individual shit himself. Is that correct? This is a, listen, this this story is really like, it's, it's, I hate to say a good one, but it's like, it's a really crazy story because Simone was in our crew. He was a banana associate with Ronnie. He knew Ronnie longer than me. He was with Ronnie for 20 years. And and let me explain something to you. Ronnie don't care if you know him 50 years. You fucking think you're playing him with his money. And I had we had to make this guy a believer. Ronnie just came home. He's on house. He's on fucking halfway house. I'm picking him up every day at the halfway house. We're going to the bagel store. It's fake job. So we're sitting in the back of the bagel store. And we're doing all the, the numbers and the collections. And me and Pudgy... Pudgy was a good friend of mine. You know, we, we were good friends. That was the same circle. Pudgy ended up getting strained out later on. But um, me and Pudgy were supposed to go in together. And um, I remember what happened was me and Pudgy said, listen, Ronnie, don't give Simone no more money. He's fucked up on those Roxy pills. Nah, I know Simone 20 years because Simone came to him for another 35000 And we said, don't give it to him, Ronnie. And then right away, if you know Ronnie like we do, he'll yell at you. Don't fucking tell me to do it with my money. And we just shut up because that's it. He's the boss. So we're like, all right, Ron. So me and Pudgy in the background is like, yo, this guy don't know how fucked up he is. Sure enough, Ronnie gives him the other 35000 Now, if you understand loan shocking, if you have 250000 on the street at one point, you should be making like five, 6000 a week for yourself, bro. You're charging two, three points. He can't even make the $2,500 payment, Jeff. So now we know he's upside down. So Ronnie, the first week, I got to bring it to him. I said, this is Simone. He goes, how much? I said, oh, $2,000. So now he got the face. I don't want to say nothing. And he's like, 2000 I'm like, yeah, he said he's going to give it to you next week. He's like, all right. But if you do the math, how are you short on the money? Right. It's not, so Ronnie's, I know, inside bugging. The next week, bro, Jeff, he comes with 1500 Ronnie's flipping out. He goes, bring him to me. I'm like, all right. I go to his house. Now, I told Simone when I picked him up, I says, bro, if you're fucked up, tell me now. We got to work this out with him. If you go there and you lie to him, you know what's going to happen. He's like, no, I know Ronnie 20 years. I said, okay. We got to the deli. I brought him there. Exact words. We brought him into the back. Ronnie goes just like this. So what's the problem? Where's my money? He goes, you're shorting me every week. Where's all the money? He goes, why, Ron? What's the big deal? What's the big deal? Overhand left. Bang. Put him right to the ground. We start beating him. I got brass knuckles on. I already knew what we were going to do to him. We're beating him. We drag him into my car. We're beating him more into the car. He's like screaming like a woman. I'm going to be honest with you. It was bad. And Ronnie's screaming, where's my money? On the top of his lungs, bro. We're beating him. I started smelling something. I'm like, Ron, what the fuck? I said, yo, I realized he shit himself, bro. He was so scared. He shit his pants, bro. Like, real, like, talk. Now, I got to leave this dude in my car because the whole story gets worse. Ronnie says, don't leave his side. I want his loan shock list. Now, if you give up your list, that's your livelihood. So right. I got to go to the house of this guy with shit in his ass in the backseat of my car. I got to drive him all the way back to his house. I got to bring him upstairs in front of his wife and kids, bro. We're pudgy now. Pudgy had to meet me at the house. I got to fucking beat him up a little more in the house. I'm not going to lie to you because he won't give me the loan shark list. Pudgy's there crying laughing because Pudgy hates him. So I end up getting the loan shark list, right? I got it out of him. It took me like an hour. I had to put a knife to his neck eventually. It gets really bad. And I, got, I had to put a knife to his neck. He says, you don't give me the fucking list. I'm going to cut you. And fucking I eventually got the fucking list. And he was 100000 upside down. Wow. 
a hundred thousand upside down, bro. Jeff, you eventually you know what happened? Ronnie made him sell his house to pay him. Wow. Yeah, bro. It was bad. This is a guy in his crew for 20 years. <laughs> Whatever happened to him? I don't know. I know he was chased after that, and he was embarrassed because it went over to social clubs that he shit his pants, that we beat him up. So he was embarrassed to show his face because your own guy did it to you. So yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, he was always playing like this, I'm getting made. You know, he was like one of those guys. And, you know, we just took his whole mob career and threw it in the garbage. You know what I'm saying? And he thought because of his friendship with Ronnie, Ronnie was just going to let it go. And and as you know, there, there's no friends in that life, really. Well, not only that, he wasn't as close as, like, Ronnie knew him a long time. But, like, me and his nephew and guys were really tight with Ronnie. Don't get me wrong. Ronnie hit me before because I stuck up a Gambino card game. I should have been killed. So they had, I had to take a beating myself. I'm not going to lie to you. I never bullshit. I had to take a beating because I pissed the whip a guy and everything. It was bad. So I should have got killed for that. It was actually, like, the, uh, a high-ranking Gambino spot. So I was supposed to get fucking dealt with worse than that, and I only got a beat. Well, what spot was it, are you mind saying? Uh, it was uh, it was uh, Quack Quack's son, Angelo Ruggiero, and that's backed up by the Carrazos pretty much, bro. So fucking, I, I, I went too far, me and Bobby. You know, we pissed up the guy and everything, bro. Took 50000 a Masterpiece Rolex, and we got it to give it back the next day. You know, everything. Let me hear about, I want to hear a little bit about the home invasions you were doing, because that's something that you're pretty known for. Uh, at right. one point, one of the people that you robbed said that, quote, this animal is now free to do the same thing all over again. Uh, she didn't want to speak due to anonymity. Right. T tell me about this, because there, there's reports that you would go into a home, tie everybody up and just take everything. Um, right. So we were targeting. So like I said, you know, things get blown out of proportion. But like I said, I was no angel. But I had a, I had a very vicious, rob probably one of the most vicious robbery teams around. Um, I, we were doing a lot of home, home robbery, home invasion. We were doing jewelry store home robberies in broad daylight, Jeff, um, taking the whole store, literally. And um, we were we were very, as my prosecutor would say, brazen. Um, <laughs> we were a very brazen robbery team where we were doing these outlandish robberies, dressing up as UPS, all kinds of things. Um so, we so were, basically, you were similar to if that film, The Town. You were like those guys, kind of. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we, we were going to jewelry stores with pistols out. Yeah, literally topping over counters, tying the owners up, and taking the whole store in laundry bags. Um, so we were doing a lot of wild shit. I, like I said, we were new school, old school guys. We dressed differently, but we were still doing old school shit. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? So we were really wild. And I had... um. We had robbed, uh, like, we did three home invasions in Howard Beach, and they were all crime figures. But what happens is this, Jeff. When you go, let's say I rob you, right? You're a known gangster drug dealer, but your wife's in the house. She knows what you are, bro. That right. comes with the game. Mm -hmm. So they would complain that women were being tied up. But at the end of the day, you're a crime figure's wife. We're telling you to go in the bathroom, and we're taking your shit. So would, you say you had, would you say you had a rule that you were not, would, would you ever go into a home of just an innocent family? No, that's a lie. Never did that. It's bullshit. Yeah. It, it, always, only, yeah. it was only going into gangsters house. Yeah. Well, gangsters or drug dealers or someone that's a crime figure. We had did a home invasion on Bam Auto Body. He's a he's made guy now. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That's the guys we were robbing. Um, we were targeting uh, uh, gangsters and drug dealers. That's what we were targeting. Do you think if you grew up 10 or 20 years earlier, you would have been killed pretty early, right? A hundred. Well, no, because my Uncle Andy. So you, so you were one of those kids. You were always hanging on to that, like, oh, I could do what I want because. Well, know. back in the day, I would have got away with it. No, now I should, like, in the modern day, like, Vinny and Ronnie would protect me only so much. But, like, I crossed the line a few times really bad where I didn't know what was going to happen to me. You know what I mean? What kind of money were you kicking up? Um, so here's the thing. Ronnie, um, I took care of Vin personally because Vin went broke later on in life. Um, that's why I always 
like didn't like what Ronnie did because Ronnie at one point was making, and this is no exaggeration. Obviously, I can't lie because it's government things. He was making like three million dollars a year in cash, Ronnie, at one point, and he wouldn't give any one dollar. That's his uncle, right? But Ronnie was very greedy, and like I said, that was his downfall. I was saying in my interviews, Ronnie was a very greedy guy. I used to pay Vince rent for him because he couldn't even pay his rent. So a lot of people know that I bought him cell phones. I love Vinny. Vinny was my idol. He took care. He looked out for me. He sat down, sit downs and blatantly lied for me. <laughs> he would sit down. I would say, Vin, listen, he owes his drug money, but we're going to turn into loan shark money. He goes, yeah, no problem. He goes, I'll make it like I was there. <laughs> he was the best. If you're going to take care of him, he'll fucking win the sit down. He'll get you the money back. And that's it. You know, that was my boy. He was like me and him with 50 years age difference, but we were friends basically. He was a, uh, and he was a, uh, I mean, he's a long time gangster, man. He's been around a long, he long, long time. He taught me everything. I know every rule. He sat me down and literally schooled me from front to back, side to side. You know, like I knew everything of the mob. That's why when I talk to old school guys, I'm like, you really can't tell me nothing. Like this guy could have wrote the rules. Like he's been around since the fifties. So it's like, you can't really like tell me nothing. And you know, I remember he was pushing for me to get made. That's why I was so like honored. He was pushing for it more than Ronnie. And that's what, like, you know, I had my chest pumped up. You know what I'm saying? Like, that Vinny wanted me in. You know what I'm saying? Do you think Ronnie at some point maybe was kind of bothered by you, maybe, that you were kind of had a better relationship with his uncle than he did? No, they had a good relationship. They would fist fight. Oh, they would fist fight each other. They were nuts. They two were crazy. I, I remember being in the car with Ronnie and Vin cutting them off trying to get out the car and fist fight him. They were fucking nuts, that family. You know, they were just wackos. But Ronnie and Vinny were very close, no matter what. But Ronnie was just cheap with his money. There's sometimes he'd throw him a few dollars. But in my brain, I'm like, bro, you can legitimately give this guy 1500 a week and you wouldn't even know it. You know what I'm saying? Like, you'll make it so much money. Like, you know, he was just greedy. And I would always take care of him. And I'm like, Vin, you know, he had no money to go to the track. You know, he just got burnt out where he couldn't make no earn. So I would always try to take care of him, you know? Yeah, I know at one point he was in real rough sh- spots with just like even paying his dues at social clubs and things like that. Well, they would point. never disrespect him like that. Don't believe those stories. Nobody's going to Vin. Let me explain to you about the real. No, I don't think anyone went to them, but they, there was definitely concerns that he didn't have enough money to pay for certain things. Vinny was allowed to do what he wanted, Jeff. I'm going to be honest. He was in a category of like, there's a boss and then there's yeah. Vinny. I'm being right. honest with you, bro. Like yeah. there's literally like he would tell, he told Charles Canigla, I don't go to sit downs, bro. Like, come on. He shot, he got his girl, he shot Charles's girlfriend in the ass. He had his son, he had his son and Ronnie shoot Donna Cavacanti for cracking a bottle over his daughter's head. I don't know if you know that story. And Charles asked for a sit down and Vinny goes, I don't go to sit downs. That's what he told him. All right. So, you know, Vinny was a different caliber of a guy when he was in his heyday. You know, he was very feared and respected. Now, around this time, you're starting to build up. You have people thinking maybe at some point you could be made. What kind of money are you making? How's your, li- what are you living like? What What's your... Are you going out to clubs? What, what's your life like? Right, yeah. So I was a party guy, but like I said, I made great money, but I wasn't a saver. So everything I, I made, I spent. You know, I wasn't like. What do you make in a week? At one point, I was doing five to ten thousand. In the early two thousands, late two. No, late two thousands. Like my best years was two thousand eleven, two thousand thirteen. Those were my best years. Like when I was younger with Ronnie Staunton, I was making like two grand a week. You know, decent. But like I, like I said, I don't know why I was never a millionaire. But like I could have been a millionaire when I got with Ronnie when he came home. That's when I was, you know, I was running sports books, like really making good money. And at one point, I had like the biggest half sheet for him with my sports guys, but they were losing like forty, fifty thousand a week, bro. Now, were you a gambler yourself, or you were just? Yeah, I gambled. I gambled myself. Me and Bobby lost like seventy five thousand on his sheet one time. We got in mad trouble. <laughs> but you were betting into other gangsters. Yeah. Yeah. Not paying. 
Yeah, we, we yeah we would sometimes, or you know, otherwise we would put it on someone else and fuck them. <laughs> would you agree? It's kind of an unwritten rule. It seems like no gangster ever pays any debts they owe. No, they do. If wise guys get involved, they work out deals and shit like that. I've seen it. Okay, so you're where are you, you going out at in the city at the time? I was all over the place. Oh, I was all over the city. I was one of those guys at one point. I was going out every day in the strip clubs, nightclubs, everywhere. You know. What uh, by this point? What what does your mother think? Is she is she? Well, I wasn't living with her no more. I was gone out the house at eighteen. So I mean, I would always just go visit her and see her. You know, my mom one time a funny story. Um, they were watching me so heavily in twenty thirteen. This was, and I remember my mom. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Had caught the guy sitting reading the newspaper. It was FBI. It was great. And they were taking pictures of me by my mother's house. And she caught them, but she thought it was a pedophile taking pictures of her little son. I have a little brother. She chased the fucking car down. (laughs) This is a real story. Chased the car down and realized that it was a fucking cop taking pictures of me or whatever. And she goes, Gina, I thought it was a pedophile taking pictures because I had the little baby. But she jumped in the car, chased the car down. It was a fucking FBI. Wow. So I knew they were all over me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You know? So you eventually would start working and doing things for Vinny Asaro, who by this point is pretty old, right? Well, he, I was doing I was doing things things for Vinny when I was twenty years old. Yeah, but you start taking on certain responsibility if something happens. You you maybe help him out a little bit. At one point, you know, Vinny Asaro, who as we said, been around forever, right? He gets into this interaction with a driver in Queens. I guess. But what you wait? What you're forgetting about with Vinny and Sarah is this. Vinny was old, but still sharp as a fucking nail, man. Oh, my God. Listen to me. This guy was still He was still carrying pistols. I swear in his car. This guy still thought he was in the 70s. Yeah. So this guy cuts him off in traffic. Tell me about what happened. Right. So there was a few things with Vinny. And a lot of people, the other charge that they were going to put on Vinny, I want to say, that they didn't talk about was I was supposed to kill a janitor fam. Um, they actually called it off because people were flipping out saying you can't kill a fucking civilian. So psychopath wanted me to kill a janitor for hitting him in a deli. I mean, this is a real story and, um, uh, everyone knows about it. And I, and the, 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 he wanted me to blow his head off in the street. And what ended up happening is I, of course I had to say yes, but they end up getting the order changed to a beating. I ended up beating up the guy really bad, um, in broad daylight in front of everybody. And I had to give him a message. You have a disrespect on people again, we'll fucking kill you. And that was the message Vinny wanted to tell him. Because he put his hands on Vinny. And um, that was when they were going to charge him with it and they didn't end up doing it. Uh, they ended up charging him with the arson. And um, it was actually another beating I did for him. I beat up a captain's nephew. Um, you ever hear Conrad from the Genovese family? Yeah. I beat up Conrad's nephew, Giuseppe, Angelo Giuseppe, really bad with a baton in his house in front of his mother for hitting Judy, which is his niece. Uh, that was another assault that did for him. And then I did an arson for him when he got cut off on the road. Um, he got the plate to somebody and, um, he got a ran to a Gambino guy and I got the address and I took my guys, which was little Gotti and fat Matt. And I blew the car up. We actually got caught blowing the car up by the cops and we went on a high speed chase and got away. So by this point you have your own little group as well. I had, uh, a, I had every young kid in the neighborhood wanted to be with me. I had 20 kids under me. You had uh, Johnny Gotti, who was the grandson of senior. Yeah. Well, 
you see, I had a lot of problems with that because um, Ronnie G's son and him didn't get along. That was one thing. And they kept and he kept picking on Ronnie G's son. And I told him, you better fucking stop. Stop doing that to little Ronnie because little Ronnie was like my, my baby brother. I was like, stop fucking doing it. I said, you hang out with us now. Stop. Don't don't bother him no more. And then um, I had another problem because I kept on going to Ronnie. Like, I'm telling you, this kid's the real deal. And they're like, he's a jerk off. He's a god. He's a fucking, you know, they thought they were all jerk offs now. I says, bro, this kid's not a jerk off, Ron. Just you got to give him a shot. You gave me a shot. Everybody deserves their chance, you know, to, to show themselves. He's like, all right, you want to fucking give this kid a chance? Go ahead. Let him be with you. So I took little Gotti. I really liked him. And he had balls and fat Matt. And I had a bunch of other young kids that were doing things to me that were going to be in my crew when I got straightened out. I was going to put them on record with me. I already made it clear to Ronnie. I was putting four guys on record with me right off the muscle when I got straightened out. So he was one of them, little Gotti and fat Matt. And um, I liked them a lot. They were good kids and they had balls. What about the Gotti kid did you like? He was tough and he was a fighter. He had good hands and he would do anything I tell him. You know, I had he had done robberies with me also. Bank robberies, burglaries. He was doing shit. He had balls. He even was on um we were gonna do something to somebody really bad and he was the driver. You know, he at, at eighteen I had this kid, uh, Jeff. He was doing these things. What um you, you mentioned that in the streets at that point that the, the name Gotti was not It was garbage. Expected. It was garbage, yeah. So what did you know about the Gotties at that point that made you say that? Well, I grew up with the grandson, Frankie Albano. He was a punk, but I'm saying like, you know, but I liked him at the time, you know, but he was like not a tough kid. The only tough one out of the whole family was the one I had, little Gotti, the little John. Did anyone come to you and say, hey, stay away from this kid? No, no, not at all. They liked that he was hanging out with me because uh, his father was, the. I told you, the, the toughest one out of the whole family. Well, hold on a second. So you're, so you're saying that, John A. Gotti, th- th- this individual right here, he, his father, Peter, is John Sr.'s son. Youngest kid and the yeah. toughest one out of the whole family. Explain explain that to me. Yes, yeah, so he was a tyrant to Howard Beach. Like, he had a black expedition, and then when it would pull up, everybody would run. He was one of the most feared guys in the area for years. And you're not talking about John Jr. You're talking about John Peter. Jr. Did not, John Jr. was nowhere near his brother Peter. Peter didn't want to be a made guy. Peter could have been – Peter was the worst one. Anyone listening to this, I got messages talking about this last time. About time somebody brought up Peter because Peter was a tyrant, bro. I mean, he stabbed people, left them in front of hospitals, locked guys in dog cages, tied them up to telephone poles, beating them, stripping them naked. He was horrible, horrible. What, what do you think came over him? Because from what I understand now, he's just a he's a very normal individual. Like, yeah, what, now, what? but when we were growing up, he used to lock us in parks, check for drugs, fucking. Do you, think he, do you think he got to a point where he just said, "I don't want this for my life"? What, no, he never you... wanted that. He never wanted that for his life. He never wanted to be a gangster. He was just a nut. Wow. He Very actually hopped out of the bushes on my friend with a samurai sword. <laughs> wow. Yeah. He was a fucking nut. He was the worst one out of the whole family. So I want to talk about that arson. So you said you're, you're, you're in the process of doing this thing and a, and a cop takes you on a high-speed chase. Yeah. How does that end? Well, little Gotti, got, I, I told little Gotti, don't stop the car. We were doing 120 over the bridge. He made a, I actually tuck and rolled out the car, and they, they chased me, and I got the car away. They probably thought I had a weapon on me. I got away. And I got them away. They pulled off. And there was only one cop in the car. We got lucky. So he chased us all the way from Broad Channel to Howard Beach. I guess he didn't have time to radio in to get us. John got he's doing 120 miles over the bridge. And um, the kid had balls, man. He wouldn't stop. And I told him, make the hard right by Aldo's Pizza. When he made the hard right, the cop was right behind us. I jumped out the moving car. They chased me. He got away. That was it. How does this life end for you? How did, how did it all end? Uh, it ended when I, uh, when my cousin, well, my fake cousin, Frank Nunziata was selling drugs behind my back. He was in my crew for a little while 
And um, he was selling tons of cocaine to an undercover cop and four ounces or more with his fucking baby in his arms, pulling the drugs out the fucking kid's backpack and actually ultimately gets jammed up. And they said, we don't want you. We want your cousin. They were basically after him for me and my guys. So he wore a wire on me and that's how I got buried. So you get arrested. Um, Ronnie, everybody. But the feds were already building a case on us from years. Yeah, they were already building on us. They had they they started building on us from Ronnie from jail because Ronnie was getting me got. Ronnie tried to have me shoot a guy from jail. Ronnie was sending messages to emails, and he was crazy. He didn't care. At what point do you kind of say, you know, because obviously you're here talking to us. People are probably saying, how does this guy sit here and talk to us? Why isn't he in jail? Right. So I cooperated, obviously. What made you, like, what made you do that? So when I sat up, like I said, I hated Ronnie at the end. Like, you know, a lot of people know the story. Me and him became enemies when I left the Florida. I robbed him, and we were, like, on bad terms. Um... When I got locked up on these conspiracies, I knew I was in a world of shit because um, they locked me up on a state conspiracy and then they locked me up on a Florida conspiracy. And then I knew I had a federal conspiracy coming down on me. So I knew I had three different conspiracies. And the, and my lawyer kept saying, there's a lot of people cooperating against you. I says, OK. I says, what do you mean? I says, well, the feds, they kept saying this lady wants to talk to you. I says, who? It was Nicole Argentieri. She kept on trying to get me to cooperate in the beginning. I wouldn't cooperate at first. I was fighting. I was like, all right. I was, I first, I'm like, right, I'm going to cooperate. And I'm like, nah, fuck that. I ain't cooperating. So then I end up sitting up, but the the lady Nicole who did the Latanza heist case and and her crew Lindsay and them were trying to get me to cooperate right away, and I and I didn't. I sat up like uh, I didn't sit with them till like sixteen months later, seventeen months later, and uh, I ultimately ended up cooperating because um, uh, I asked Ronnie to help me with a lawyer and he refused, and he said he would help me if he went federal. I knew he wasn't going to help me, and um, then I realized that I was looking at life in prison pretty much, and everybody turned their backs on me. So I was like, all right, you know, everybody's mad at me. Uh, I like, fuck it. I says, they don't want to help me. I said, all right, fuck it. I'm going to go bad. And when the FBI came to see me, I says, yeah, give me the paper. They're like, you're going to die in jail. You know that, right? I was like, give me the paper. And I sat and cooperated. How old were you at that point? Uh, thir- 30, uh, going to be 31 years old. So you, so you were looking at probably the next 50, 60 years in prison. Oh, I remember because they would never tell me. I only got it out of them once because I was in, I remember I'm a career criminal. So I, I didn't realize how much shit they had on me. They had me on conspiracy to commit murder, attempted murders, shootings, armed robberies, everything. I was done. But they says you would have got seven years in the state, 10 years in Florida, and like 20 something years in the feds. That was without trial. If I blow trial, I get life. You know what I'm saying? So I could have got like a 35 year cop out, maybe 40 year cop out, something like that. Did you do all those things? Yeah, absolutely. So you. Mentioned you, you really liked Vinny Asaro, right? Yeah, I did. I didn't I want to, to co- I didn't want to cooperate against him. Right. And what I've what I've what I've seen from Vinny Asaro, he seems like an, an affable guy, he seems like a jolly kind of guy. No, he's no, no, legendary no, no, kind no, of guy. No, 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 no. He's not. No, 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 no. no very I've funny. seen him speak, he seems pretty interesting. But you're saying yeah. you didn't want to cooperate against him. I didn't. I really, I did like him, but he was psychotic. He was a lunatic. But um, um, he's not nice. He'll fly off the handle, curse you out, flip out. I mean, uh, literally. But you know, I liked him. I got along with him. He likes bad guys, you know. Um, but he's nuts. If you tell him to be there at three o'clock and you're ten minutes late, he'll fucking go crazy on you. Like legitimately go crazy on you. Do you think he just got desperate dealing with with like some of you guys? Or no, not at all. I mean, he really liked me. I was dealing with him before. Since I'm young, I dealt with him for years. I dealt with Vinny more than Ronnie, to be honest with you, because Ronnie was away for a lot of years. But what I'm saying is there, there was no other way. He felt, like you said, he thought it was the 70s still. 
Oh um, yeah, he was. He, yeah, he was had. A, I remember he had a, a beef with someone. He had a twenty five in his trunk. I was crying, laughing. I'm like, bro, you're seventy nine years old. You're gonna shoot someone. <laughs> I'm like, we'll, I'm like, we'll do that. He's like, no, I got this <laughs> fucking guy. Well, he ended up getting eight years due to some of your uh, testimony. Yeah. Um, Ronnie G. Alonzo, your, you know, your mentor got, you know, almost 15 years. He won't get out for another well, five or six. He was, he was going to get, listen, uh, he was going to get 20 years if he didn't take that because they were going to recharge him. I had shot a guy for him in uh, 2011 and um, they were going to charge him with that shooting if he didn't take the cop out. What do you think he would say to you if he was you were sitting in front of him? No, he'd go crazy on me. Do you ever worry about that? No, 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 I'm not one of those guys like that. I don't care. I mean, but I know, you know, I know he's disappointed in me because, you know, I was his favorite at one time. I was his favorite at one time, like literally. When you also, in a way, made him, you know, have that big house and all those things because, you know, in the end, he just became very greedy, right? You you were a workhorse. You did what he asked you to do. And oh, I he, he almost yeah. betrayed you in a way. Well, my girlfriend, I never even seen her when he came home because I was with him 24-7. You know what I'm saying? Like, literally, I was I had to bring her by. She would come by his house because I'm like, I got to be here. So she would have to come hang out with me by his house. Did you ever think at some point um, during all this, when you're facing possible, like you said, life, did you ever think at any point, you know what, I'm just going to do this. This is my life. This is what I chose to do. Because remember, Gene, yeah. you did those things. Okay, You're a grown adult. You're a grown right. man. You went in and did those things. Did you ever think maybe, you know what, my life will be okay in prison with all, all my friends and I'll meet people and that'll just be my life. I chose this. Did you ever think about that and say, you know what, I'm just going to do this? Yeah. At one point, I was trying to get a 20-year cop out. I couldn't get it. So you would have taken 20 years. Yeah, 100%. For everything. It was too much going on. I couldn't. But when you saw that word or heard that word... No, I knew no. I was fucked. And you know why? I knew I was fucked because they wanted me to cooperate. So why are they going to give me a good deal? They want me to go bad. They know I'm the key. When Vinny beat the Latanza Heist case, they knew I was the only guy that worked for him in the modern day. So who else they need to cooperate? I'm the only one that can hurt him. So they're not going to give me a good deal. They're going to say, no, fry him. So he goes bad. You know what I'm right. saying? Yeah, they don't give I me much When Vinny beat that case, I knew I was fucked. Gotcha. They would have brought down hell on me to me to go bad. Do you ever miss that world? No, no. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, it's so washed up. There's nothing to miss. It was so like getting, it's so washed up now. You know, when I was out there younger, it was still good, but it's so washed up now. Like, no, it's such a joke. I hear the guys that are made now. It's like hysterical. Yeah. I want to ask you about that in a second. I just want to kind of wrap up. So you, you, what did you ultimately get with a sentence after your, your testimony? 63 months. So five years, basically. Yeah. A little um, over five. What was your time in prison like? Uh, I mean, I, like I said, the first two years was Rikers Island. The next year was under a fake name in New Jersey in some corny jail. And then the next two and a, two years and change was in uh, Farrington. South Jersey, I know where it is. Yeah. yeah. So you come home. Um, where'd you go when you came home? Did you go right back to Howard Beach? Yeah, I was living with my mother in Howard Beach. And then I went to Brooklyn. I moved to the Avalon. Beautiful building. Were you ever concerned? Like, hey, I'm an informant. Maybe I shouldn't be here. I hate to toot my horn. I was like that, Jeff. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie to you, dude. Like I was. I was like that, bro. I was now, now Gene, I'm gonna bring. I'm gonna bring something up. There, there yeah. is a reported video of someone chasing you out of Ozark. All right. Is that so true? here's the thing. They said I pulled a knife out on them. There was like ten kids, mm -hmm. and originally they ran up the block, and then they were just screaming things, and then I went back to my car. That was really it. They it reportedly said. They reportedly said that I had a knife and I jumped out on 10 kids. This is what they said. Right. Yeah, I've, I've heard what they said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me ask you, 
What do you think the future holds for, for little Gotti, as you call him? Do you think he'll just come home and he eventually got a sentence as well? well he's, what hooked do you... on, he's hooked on heroin right now. Okay. Yeah, he's bad on he's bad on those pills, those Roxies. I heard he's all fucked up, which I'm surprised. He was never a drug kid when I met him, but I know he got hooked on them bad. No, no. Remember, we just want to make this clear that could that's allegedly, we, we, you know, maybe. Well, he, I mean, well, the, the the kid, everyone knows he's on it. He was with, kicking from him when he got locked up. He was in, he was withdrawing bad. And remember, he also is serving a separate case for selling oxycodone and things like that. Yeah, so. he was hooked on. He was making a lot of money, dog. Give him that. He was yeah. fucking killing. And he was making it. And keeping it in his grandfather's home, which yeah, is yeah, but he was, but he was doing them. That's what killed him. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you think? You, you think that's that's his future? What do you think the future holds for him? I don't know. He still got some years left. He, I think he comes home twenty twenty five. I actually yeah. begged them not to hurt him. I didn't want to hurt him. I like little Gotti. I did. I, I was like, yo, don't give that kid no time. He was taking orders from me. I was like, you know, I was like trying to help him with the Austin, but they're like, listen, it is what it is. You know. So you come home, what were you doing at that time? Do you do you have a job? What are you doing? Bro, I came home right to COVID, bro. I was out for like two months and then COVID hit. I was locked down. And then you you surface in a interview with John A. Light on Vlad TV. You're you're right. there telling a little bit of your story. Um, you know, and then you start doing this show with, with John A. Light called the John and Gene uh, show. And you blew start, the fuck up. Yeah, you you had a nice following, you're doing your thing. And then I kind of just want to discuss then what would happen. I threatened, you, kill, I threatened to kill my ex's girl, uh, a husband. Yeah, you, you know, I, and I, I kind of want to go over what you said. You said reportedly, remember what I used to do. I will grab your father right now and beat the dog shit out of him. Yeah. Be happy I don't grab you and your fat, ugly husband by the neck and drag you down the street. Now, I guess I'll have to ask because we heard quotes earlier that you're an animal and you're a lunatic and you, know, you went to prison. Do you feel like that's some behavior that you should be doing after you got a huge lease on life? What was yeah, your reasoning? You know, I don't know. I'm a hothead. Sometimes I lose it. But like I said, I was just with her father three days before that talking to him. So I was so stupid. But you just, you didn't take it real serious. You thought she would just kind of realize you are who you are and she would No, she much. didn't call them. It wasn't her. She was just laughing. She she didn't even care. She used to, bro, me and that girl used to train all the time. She didn't care. It was her husband that did it, you know? Would would you feel you have a little bit of a problem with with uh, maybe picking the wrong women or something? Yeah, probably. I don't know. Possible. Interesting. So, what happened with you with that ultimately? I got four months in jail, six months house arrest, and then restarted my probation. Now today you're free and clear. Yeah. Okay. Um, I want to play quickly before we wrap up. I just want to kind of get your thoughts on what the mob looks like today. Uh, some right. of the things going around. I do want to bring up also um, about, I don't know, six, eight months ago, um, we, we would learn that you were actually sued by a member of the Gotti family, Angel right. Gotti, right. The, the daughter of, of John Sr. Um, mm-hmm. Is there anything you can tell about that? What, what does yeah. that pertain to? Exactly? Um, she basically has thin skin. She can say what she wants about everybody, but can't handle when people say things back to her. Don't say shit about me. I won't say shit about you. I don't give a fuck about no lawsuit. She can sue me all she wants. I don't care. You say so something bad about me, I'm going to say something bad about you. That's it. So this has to do with a bit of a sparring match back and forth between you and her as far as saying yeah. things. And her okay. son, when I came home, was on Facebook going, I can't believe you let this kid walk around Howard Beach. Well, her son never been in a fist fight. He's a straight punk. Like, what are you talking about fighting and going after people? Like, you've never been in a fight. Like, Frankie Albano, you're a fucking computer nerd video game guy. Like, get out of here. So he was talking tough on Facebook, and that shit just got me mad. I'm like, bro, you, you ain't no fucking street dude, bro. You got beat up. You got your chain took, and you're fucking... Mike Calderon's father had to go get it back from the kid, Robo. This kid, Robo, beat him up and took his chain with his grandfather's picture on it 
And his uncle Peter, the one I told you that's crazy, he had to go get the chain back from the kid. So do you feel you feel this lawsuit's a bit frivolous? Yeah, it was just attention because you know I'm honestly I'm I'm a view. Let's keep it real, bro. I'm a popular dude in this industry. You know, you know they get it's to keep it real, yeah, bro. You know, I'm I, not going to disagree with you on that. Uh, yeah, so I'm so a dude, bro. You're still being represented by Doug Anton. Yeah, that's my buddy. I'm actually personally friends with him. Yeah. You think it'll work out for you? As of right now, I, don't, I think that lawsuit's in default. From what Doug told me, I don't think it's valid. Interesting. She didn't even serve me in time. She has to refile uh, it, and she don't have no money, so these cost money. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, final broke. question, then we'll get into this and we'll get out of here. What um, do you, do you regret your life? Do you wish no. you would have went a different way? No, I don't. And you don't, you know, you look at it now. You are you okay with just as we've heard in Goodfellas and things like that? Uh, you know, you're just a regular, your person now. You're, you're not. Well, I'm you know, not a regular. See, that's the thing, and that's why the government got mad. I didn't become. I'm not a regular person. I actually became like a fake celebrity, and they don't like it. And that's the problem. You know, I'll be honest with you. It's bad. You know, and I'm I'm friends with like actors and people, and I made friends in like such places that I can't believe I did. But that's what they don't like. You know, and that I'm like popular off being a bad guy. And like I said, people glorify the mob, and I was a, the first modern day guy to come out. So people, you know, cling to me, you know what I'm saying? So I have like a big following. I get, Jeff, I get thousands of fan mail a day in my Instagram. Like I get, you know, it's crazy. So that's what they don't like, honestly. Do we see you again, maybe on a podcast? I know at one point you were, you were thinking about some sort of media career. You wrote uh, this book. I actually want to mention, I actually read this book, Louis Romano. It's actually a pretty good book. Um, and, and you, you talk about your life as an ex Bonanno family mafia enforcer. Right. Do, do you think the world, as far as Gene on, on YouTube, is that done or, or will you ever come back? I heard you've, you've given up that world or are you yeah, done with that? I, I, I did give it up. I don't really want, honestly, the reason why I give it up is because too many people ruined it. It's too many people now, you know, we had a good, there's certain people out there, but now it just became like them fighting with each other. It's like stupid. I don't even know. It's like, do I you watch uh, mafia content at all or anything? Yeah, I do. I watch certain ones only. Okay. Um, all right. I just want to go over a couple of pictures here, what you think of these people. Um, recently in the news, there's been a, a wild story in the Bonanno crime family. The boss, uh -huh. allegedly, Michael the Nose. He's um, the boss. Uh -huh. Yeah, he shelved an individual, John Camerano. Camerano was told to stay away from the funeral of his father-in-law, Vito right. do you know why? Do you know why he got shelved? Him and Paul? Yeah, he tried to take over, basically. No, no. That's Him and Paul... That's not true. Him and Porky got shelved because they had their lawyer, who I know the lawyer actually spoke to him about it. Basically, um, the lawyer stated that my client was a consigliere, not the underboss. So you're basically admitting to a position in the mob that this guy's with his position at the time. So that's basically a form of ratting they felt, and they got shelved for that. That's why they got shelved. So they get shelved. There's a they a got fight shelved is, is... in a trial. You're not supposed to admit to what you are. Right. So. Sure. Mikey Dino's tried to play the old school shit and say you admitted to positions in the mob, and they got that's why they really got shelved because they beat the case like that. So and they get shelved, they're told to stay away from a funeral. Okay, right. Cam yeah. Camarado's father in law dies, and they go to the funeral. Allegedly, Mikey Dino's orders two individuals, three individuals to beat Camarado up. What do you think about that? Is that something? What do you think of the mob nowadays? I mean, there's certain guys, like I said, and I'll keep it real. You're always ordered away from getting killed. If you get a maniac from the old school that just says, yeah, I want this guy killed, you got to fulfill the order. But guys are just scared to order that stuff now, you know? 
Um, Mikey knows he's definitely a gangster. He's definitely an old school guy. He was with Vinnie Gorgeous' crew, so I know he's a maniac. That whole crew was crazy. And um, he's an older guy, so yeah, he's a valid boss. And uh, he would is a guy that would order you to be killed, 100%. But as you know, today there's not much killing going on in the mafia, so it's, it's none. None. kind of hamstrung on what you can I do. I think the, la the last murder that was ordered was uh, Mikey Meldish. That was done by my friend's crew, Frankie Pasqua's, the, that the Lucchese crew did it. Long time ago, yeah. It's been 2013, I think it was, yeah. I mean, the last couple of mob hits were committed by people that were not connected to the mob. So I don't even consider that a mob hit. The guy got his father killed. That wasn't a mob hit. It was just him. I'm talking even about him. Frank Callie, right? That's some lunatic. That's that not just, a mob hit. Yeah, I'm yeah. talking about a valid mob hit where a boss got you killed. Oh, wow. Matthew Madonna and ordering Mikey Mellis' murder. That's 2013. Right. Yeah. Uh, you you admit you're an informant. We all know that. Yeah. Um, do you consider uh, John Gotti Jr. an informant? We, we, yeah. We'll ask you. Uh, everyone does except for him and his family. <laughs> and as you know, and, and I'll, I'll kind of let the listeners know, John Gotti Jr. did have a 302 session. He sat down with the government. He gave them information. Um, and by any stretch of the imagination, even admitting that you're part of that life is an, you know, a snitch move. Yes. You know why I respect you so much and I respect your show so much and everyone does is because you see what you just said? Nobody will say that. You see what you just said? Your well, words listen, you, the words you not, that you just listen. The words that you just said, these pussies will not say it because they all want to kiss their ass. What you just said is the most truest thing. Just did a 302, and you said you did. What is that? What do you label in the mob world? A rat. That's it. No if and buts. There's no way around it. There's no, oh, no one went to jail. You sat. You profit. You were a fucking boss. What are you? Well, I always say this. My whole question to them would be, and look, I don't try to play favorites. I try to be fair to everybody. Right. Um, but the truth of the matter is, what would John's father think about that move? He order his murder. He what yeah. why why'd he kill why'd he kill Willie Boy? Right. What was right. Willie Boy? I think and we all know what he would do, right? Right. Um, he had Tommy Karate and fucking uh uh, 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 uh Bobby Lino. Oh, kill kill him. No, Bobby Lino was the shooter on that. Eddie Lino. Eddie Lino was the shooter on that too. They shot Eddie Lino and Tommy Karate smoked this guy over being an informant. So, you know, even with Anthony Arellata, you know Anthony from mm -hmm. Massachusetts, they mm -hmm. killed their boss for 302. Adolfo, yeah. Genevieve's guy ordered the murder to kill him. But with the 302 is a death sentence. If no one goes to jail, it means you sat with the feds. That's it. That's and it. I, I think what we've learned about this media stuff and YouTube is people move the goalposts on what a rat is, right? And in the right. 60s, if you haven't admitted there was a mafia, that was a, a rat, rat move, right? <laughs> right. So I, I think it's, it's really kind of all moving the goalposts on this stuff. And I say... I say this on every show. I'm from the heart of the mafia neighborhood. Howard Beach is one of the mo most known mafia neighborhoods in the country, if not the number one known. No. Okay? So um, so I, I know for a fact what he was labeled in Howard Beach. They all called him a fucking rat. And that's the truth. And there's nothing to lie about. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I don't think anybody – the only people that are that are not seeing it are, are just certain people that don't want to see it. It's his know, family. Like, that's it. That's sure. it. Sure. Um, I, I want to quickly ask you about this guy, and then we'll wrap up. Um, Peter Tuccio has recently given a 10-year sentence uh, for, right. for an arson, very similar case to something that you did. Um, as you know, um, an arson is probably a three, four-year sentence. They gave him 10 years. Well, well, I could have made a mistake with that. You see, it's... No, it's I, I think you're very valid. It's not arson. 10 years. 
arson extortion it was. I didn't know that. It was that. Brother, but, but you're not going to get his, his no. co-defendants got probation. Well, do you know why he did it? I'll tell you why. He's in pictures with Joey fucking Molino. He's putting him on Instagram. So the FBI seen this kid hanging out with a fucking boss that they want. Of course, they're going to fucking put pressure on him, bro. It's common sense. You know, I, I talk all the time as well about what will the mafia look like in 10, 20 years, right? And eventually, Peter Tuccio will get out. Now, it is important to realize Peter Tuccio did not cooperate. I don't know right. what he would give them, but he didn't cooperate. Right. You know, you know Peter. What do you know about him? He was actually with me, bro. I know you. You Did you like him? I feel like you I did. He, did. he was one of my guys. He was originally going to be with me. Yeah, I had him. I had him at 18 years old, too. What, what yeah. do you think a kid like that sees in this life? What? what why? Why, yeah. why do that? I don't know. He was obsessed with the life, too. But, you know, like I said, you can't knock that because I was once that kid doing the same thing. And I always said that. He was a wannabe, but they're the most dangerous guys because they're trying to be. And they'll do anything to be. You understand that? Yeah. You know? A wannabe is a dangerous guy, bro. Well, Gene, I'll say this. Uh, you said it all, really. I've said before, I, I think you're a pretty interesting character. I mean, you obviously have done things that, you know, I don't think anybody co-signs, nor uh, do we co-sign some of your behavior after the fact. But you know, you're trying to, I guess, live your life the right way. Um, I got a feeling this isn't the last time we see you on, on media of some sort. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think you need to just tie your head on straight and just, you know, grow yeah. up a little. And I think you know that. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I thank you for coming on. I'll kind of give you the floor. Uh, you know, what do you got going on and, and what's next for you? Well, my biggest thing is I really want a modern day movie and I'm trying to work on that. Um, I wrote, I mean, this is the first time I'm going to say this. I wrote a synopsis for Law and Order SVU and it actually was given to Dick Wolf. I never told anybody this, but it was um, through my lawyer. And uh, it was about a dirty cop. The whole thing I did. I, Why I did you write this? I wrote it on my violation. Hmm. On my four month hmm. violation. I wrote it and I gave it to Doug and Doug gave it to Dick Wolf because one of Dick Wolf's employ one of Dick Wolf's actors is Dick, uh, Doug's clients. He says, give this to D uh, Dick Wolf. It's from one of my guy, uh, people who told him who I was, and they liked it. But what happened was I threatened to kill a, a woman. They said, you know, all that shit when they looked me up, and they kind of, like, crushed it under the table. You know what I'm saying? Right. So well, that was true. I was trying to get into that world. And then I did something else where um, Doug had another thing going on for me, and that violation of what I was in trouble for got everybody like, no, you know what I mean? Well, I think down the road, I think we'll probably see you again at some point, maybe through consulting on something or, or right. whatever. Um, maybe we'll have to, at some point, uh, get you up to, to New York and do some, something, sit down. We'll sit down and speak to you again and see how your life's going. But Gene, thanks for coming on. Is there anything you want right. to leave us with? Uh, you know, promote your book or anything? Yeah. Born in the life. It's top selling organized crime right now. Um, book. Um, it's been top, 50 now for like a while it just keeps selling i think i sold like over almost over 5,000 copies which is unheard of um right now i sold myself 400 autograph copies myself um uh it's a very popular book and i think because i'm the first modern day guy to come out i think the johnny and gene show helped it a lot too i was very popular on that show and um like i said i right now i'm just doing living a regular life i'm out in florida and um i'm loving it man you know do you think in 2040 there'll still be a mafia? No. Think it would the be gangs, the, the the gangs are taking over. That's all it is. The gangs, cartels, they're the, they're the new mafia. But ran like a bunch of assholes. They just shoot each other for no reason. Thanks for coming on, Gene. I appreciate it. Yes, no problem, man. Take care, man. As always, thanks everybody for listening. We'll talk to you next week here on the sit down.